Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Chris Motes and Father John Rutten in the studio with us. We are going to talk about a brand new saint in the church. His name is Charles de Foucault. Uh, he's a Frenchman, very interesting, very human, uh, really, really great conversation. So I hope you will stick around for that interview. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald. How do you spell Sorry. Ah, I've had to spell it a lot lately and I have it right in front of me. So that's not oh, really fair. <laughs> yeah, because it's a French name. F-O-U-C-A-U-L-D. L-D, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's a very, you look at it and you're like, how do I say that? French, French. <laughs> so what do you have for us today for Biblical Bites? So we are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am going to skip the normal question that I begin with. It's the first Sunday of, fifth Sunday of, fifth Sunday of, Easter. Okay. So I would have gotten I know it you right. Would, you would have gotten okay. it right. So uh, last week and this week, the first reading um, for Sunday Mass is from Acts. Last week is chapter 13. No, 14. Um, yeah, maybe it was 13. I feel like uh, it was 13. For some uh, and, and this week is 14 for sure. So this is, um, uh, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but I didn't explain the context. This is Paul, St. Paul's first missionary journey. Oh. So in Acts of the Apostles, Peter is sort of... Um, center of the stage at the beginning, mm-hmm. Prince of the Apostles and so on, um, and the mission to the Jews and mm-hmm. the opening of the mission to the Gentiles, right? So Jesus oh, right. came first to the Jews, but then the message is going to, uh, as we read at the beginning of Acts, throughout Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Right. So it's Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. It's sort of a concentric circles. Right. So Peter is starting Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and he opens it to the Gentiles, and then Paul runs with that. Right. So um, it's St. Paul who is known as the apostle of the Gentiles. Peter's the one who sort of, well, the Lord, through Peter, opens the door mm-hmm. to the, the gospel be proclaimed to Gentiles, but it's Peter who sort of takes that and runs with it. Paul. So, sorry, Paul. thank yep. you, Paul. Um, yep. So Paul has, in Acts of the Apostles, what for centuries has been described as his three great missionary journeys, oh, yeah. where he goes out usually from Antioch, um, and we talked about which Antioch, <laughs> so Antioch in modern-day Syria, mm-hmm. uh, north of well north of Jerusalem, um, makes these three missionary journeys. So last week, what we were talking about was part of the first missionary journey, and today we read about the conclusion of the first missionary journey. So... With that as the context, this is what we read at the beginning of uh, the first ring for Mass. After Paul and Barnabas had proclaimed the good news to that city and made a considerable number of disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships and enter the kingdom of God. And I'm going to come back to how it goes on. But... Um, so Paul and Barnabas have proclaimed the good news in that city. So that city is Derby. This oh, okay. is all in modern day Turkey. Um, where they were was in Derby, and they had they they proclaimed the good news, made many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra and to Iconium um, and to Antioch of Pisidia. What what we don't read about is the fact that they're returning to Lystra, where Paul had been stoned. Oh, that's right. So the last yeah. stop had been where, where where they before they were they 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 actually uh, so before they came to Derby, which is where we are at the beginning of the reading, uh, they had been in Lystra, and Paul the the, the Jews incited uh, basically people to stone Paul, and they thought they killed Paul. Before that, he'd been Iconium, and they fled for their lives because they thought they were going to be stoned. But so what did Paul Barnabas do? They go back to these places. Okay. 
so what do they, but where, where, when they've been in, in Iconium and Lister before, it had been the public proclamation. Well, now we read, they strengthened the, the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, it is necessary for us to go, undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, like when I was stoned when I was here <laughs> recently, last time. So uh, what's fascinating to me about that is the reality that Paul returns now, Again, as far as we know, it was more of a quote-unquote private visit. He's not publicly proclaiming the gospel this time, as far as we know. Right. He's primarily building up the the, the disciples who, who they had made at that last stop. But still, I, I, I marveled at the fact that St. Paul, you know, if it were me, well, uh, <laughs> like, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. <laughs> not going back there. But they did. They returned. Why? To, to strengthen the brethren. Because there was other people there. Exactly. Spreading, yeah. Exactly. So another thing we read, um, they appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting commended them to the Lord in whom they had put their faith. So Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. The Greek word is presbyteros. So bishops and priests are appointed um, by prayer and fasting and laying on of hands. So we see here the continued growth of the church and, and the continued development of the hierarchy that we have today. Right. That's really interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out. Thanks, yeah. Doctor. You bet. In the studio with me today, I have two lovely gentlemen. I have Chris Motes, who is the chief of staff for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I have Father John Rutten, who is the pastor at uh, St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good to be with you this morning. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. So, okay. We brought you in because there is a blessed who is going to be canonized. If you're listening to this on RPR radio, today, this man will be canonized. Uh, blessed Charles de Foucault, soon to be Saint Charles de Foucault. I'm probably not saying that right, but they'll correct me as I you go. You got it. <laughs> um, Chris actually brought this to my attention that he was being canonized today. And he said, hey, we should do a show about this. I know a lot about this guy. And so does Father Rutten. So I was like, okay, I know nothing about this saint and I love this saint. So let's do this. Let's talk <laughs> about this guy and find something out about him. So we're going to talk about him a little bit today. And uh, he's a very interesting, interesting man. And maybe, as Father John and I were talking a little bit before the show, maybe an unlikely saint, mm-hmm. perhaps, Yeah. If, as you get to know him. Okay, so <laughs> Father Rutten, will you tell us uh, what was it about this particular guy that caught your attention? Because he caught your attention some time ago. Yeah, it's and he has my attention. <laughs> I said uh, he was stalking you, and you, you know, said I, yes. <laughs> I, he has. Uh, he he. I grew up uh, in a religious art museum. Oh, so called, maybe called some your, of you your listen, mom's house. Yeah, yeah, called mom and dad's house. Yeah, so maybe some of you understand that world where you know it's like I used to say, "Can't we put something up on the walls that isn't Jesus, Mary, Joseph, or the saints?" Like no. <laughs> and so that was my life, you know. And I'm very blessed to have grown up in my home and have my parents and things. Uh, but my mother has great devotions. My dad had great devotions to the saints uh, and very particular ones. Um, I ran from all of that for a number of years. And I didn't uh, know that I need to have you in here to tell your story. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it was just uh, a search for what made my heart live. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I, so I came back to the church had my own conversion ended up in the seminary and a couple of year into a couple of years into the seminary, a friend of mine uh, wanted me to read this biography from Charles Foucault and was kind of always telling me about Charles. And in a way I felt like, being that little kid at home and like 
get your saints away from me. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. It wasn't like that, but I just kind of felt like that's fine that he's for you, but like, just because he's my for own. you. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I don't need to, you know, and I really had learned to be honest with my heart. So I couldn't just accept because I, this is what everybody does. Or mm-hmm. This is, well, I missed a retreat I was supposed to do because I was sick and my spiritual director, who is a very prim and proper man, like very put together, very like cufflinks and Roman <laughs> collar and like, I mean, put together, mm-hmm. said, you have to make up that retreat and you're going to do it over Easter and you're going to read this biography. And it was the biography <laughs> of Blessed Charles Foucault. And I thought, that's the book Nate keeps wanting me to read. <laughs> All right, something's up. <laughs> and when I began to read it, I just noticed, like, I wanted to love God. Mm. As simple as that. Like, Oof. I just wanted to love God. Uh, as I began to read it, I wanted to love people that I didn't really love. Uh, I would find myself in awe of like his ability to, to go into these lands that he knew no mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. with such hope and such simplicity. Uh, I just, um, and something would happen to me and I would just be like filled and I'd find myself a couple of times like crying and I'm like, what is happening to me? And at a certain point, I stopped for a moment. The book was open and I just closed the book and I put the book down. And I said to myself, you're here. Mm-hmm. Charles, you're here. Like you've come to me. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a friendship that has continued to grow. Uh, but the miracle of what he did for me that really changed me was he opened up a door to the saints mm-hmm. and I realized like the saints aren't people I have to go chase or I got to do more prayers for, or I got to like add to my list or I need to get another medal in order to like be a part of their club. Like the saints are people who simply are going to help me love Jesus mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. and, uh, and that they will find me. Yeah. Because I never, even I, I, re, I would like pushed him off and he found me. Mm-hmm. And after this, St. Augustine found me. Uh, St. Therese of Lisieux found me. St. John found me. Uh, uh, they just started, I'm like. They come out of the woodwork, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And at one day I looked in my room at the seminary and I thought, I live in a religious art museum. <laughs> and so in a way he opened a door mm-hmm. for a greater awareness of who my mom and dad were. Yeah. And so he just. And ever since then, he's just been a part of my life in a way where I can't not share him with other people. Yeah. But I never share. I just, it's just a part of me. And then yeah. I'm like, hey, well, if you want to read something, this is the biography or <laughs> yeah. his, this is his prayer of abandonment mm-hmm. or, um, so that's how, that's how everything began with yeah. me and nobody knew who he was. I mean, right. he's not a common no, person, no. uh, but many people know the prayer of abandonment. Right. And so if I point them to that, they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, well, this is the guy who that originated yeah. from. He obviously moved you quite a bit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because even in your, in while you're talking about that, it's visible uh, in you that, that there was a, uh, a deep connection that you had. Yeah. There. And you know, it's interesting because I've felt a little guilty in the last few weeks. I mean, I'm blessed to go to this canonization, mm-hmm. but I haven't read it. I, I 
like, I feel like I don't know enough about him yet. And like, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. And I'm not prepared to go yet. And like, I gotta like what, and all this stuff. And as, and the other day I was like, you know what? I don't think that is what is essential. Right. And so as I'm like here today, I'm like, whatever is happening right now is essential. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is what he is in yeah. friendship with me about. And I didn't plan to have this happen this yeah. morning. Yeah. He doesn't uh, need so. you to know every single thing. Yeah, about him. <laughs> no, what he wants me is just to be in friendship yeah. and to, yeah. uh, and know he's going to help me love Jesus more. Right. right. Uh, yeah. It's really great because uh, Father John is going to be at the canonization in Rome, leaving tomorrow morning. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you're listening to this, I'm there. Yes. But when we're recording this, I leave in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. yes, <laughs> very true. Uh, okay. So Chris, um, when I was looking into, cause I knew nothing about this saint, uh, saint soon to be, is it's really weird because we're recording a few days earlier. So he's not a saint yet, but when you'll hear it, he will be. So mm. <laughs> um, he reminded me a lot of St. Augustine yeah. in his early years. He was not the best guy. Can you talk a little bit about his early years and yeah. where he was? There, there's a similarity there. He was a bit wayward. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike Augustine, he did have faith as a, as a child right. and then left it, um, but was living a very worldly life that was quite scandalous, in fact. Um, so he's a Frenchman, grew up in France, was born in the 1850s. Um, and French culture in the, in the 19th century um, was de-Christianizing in some ways, still very much what we would call a kind of a Christendom Catholic culture. But, I mean, he he kept the mistress. Mm -hmm. You know, he was living with a woman out of, out of wedlock um, and was just away from the sacraments for years. Um, came to see just the mysteries and truths of the faith as just like real obstacles to belief. Mm -hmm. um, and fundamentally, I think just like for a long period of his life, didn't have desire for faith too. Right. So I think you're right to kind of uh, draw that connection to St. Augustine. Um, and of course, for both of them, there's this big moment of, mm -hmm. um, of faith, of right. embracing God right. uh, and coming to realize that, no, God's been loving me this whole time. Mm-hmm. And they both kind of came about it, if I remember right, a little bit similarly where kind of came to it through their intellect first to a degree. Yeah, is that right? Um, I think that's true to a degree. So, and Augustine, we know, is kind of famous for his, Lord, his prayer, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. Right. So his intellect was there, but his will wasn't. Right. Um, with Charles, his intellect was, um, he went through a period of kind of difficulty in the army. He more or less got kicked out of the army, the he French army. He was being army. very lazy. He was being lazy, not a good soldier, mm -hmm. but kind of had this moment of like um, wanting, like wanting adventure, but kind of needing to grow up. Mm -hmm. And that period for him was going to explore Morocco, yeah. which was still kind of uncharted mm -hmm. by Europeans in the 1880s. And, and Europeans were unwelcomed there. Right. Yeah. So he had this period of exploration that was really kind of a, a growing up and, um, becoming, frankly, a man in some really human terms. Mm -hmm. But it's after that he gets back home. He's now kind of a famous Frenchman who's charted out Morocco that there's this awakening of intellect and an attraction to some of the serious aspects of faith really through the witness of people that he's close mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. um, so his intellect and I would say even his desire is awakened. But then... Um, Unlike Augustine, who has sort of this prayer of, Lord, give me chastity, but, but not yet, he's sort of living a better life, but 
um, wants to foster his desire. And I just love this aspect of his story. He goes into the confessional one morning before mass to like this parish priest who is, mm-hmm. he realizes is this man of great virtue, a man of intellect, a man of faith who is walking with some of the people that he's close to. So there's kind of this level of trust. He goes into the confessional and and he says, father, I'm not here to make a, a confession. I just want to like talk about the faith. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and I believe that priest was having none of that, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, the priest, the priest <laughs> says to him, like, um, so you don't have faith. Have you never believed then? So he's kind of probing right. a little bit, like, right. what's your story? And he's like, well, I haven't had any faith for 13 years, is what he tells him. Uh, but now I'm, I'm not able to believe because of the mysteries, because of the dogmas, because of the miracles. He's sort of setting all these objections. And the priest says to him, you're mistaken, my son. Um, what's missing right now in order for you to believe is a pure heart. Kneel and make a confession before God. Mm-hmm. You think it's like all these sort of doctrines and mysteries that the, op- the mm-hmm. obstacle, but the obstacle is actually right here. Mm-hmm. Tell me your sins. Um, and, and Charles responds, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> I didn't come for that. And the, the priest is pretty firm. He says, yeah. that doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what you've come here for. This is what you need. Yep. Get down on your knees. That's uh, a good priest saying, and, and say this the, is the thing you need. So, yeah. and and this is the real moment of encounter, of decision. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the great, this is the crux of the spiritual battle. It comes to the fore in the, the human heart right there in Charles's heart. And for reasons that he doesn't even completely understand, he kneels mm-hmm. and confesses his whole life. He just makes like a totally free and complete confession. It's, it that is a miracle. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, and the priest like gives him absolution. And at this moment, uh, in receiving absolution, uh, it's completely a surprise. God's full of surprises. Charles is filled with joy and peace. Mm-hmm. He recognizes this. The priest says to him, um, have you eaten anything today? Right. No, I haven't. Go and receive communion. The priest tells him, cause there's a mass just starting. And, um, so he goes and receives communion. And from that moment, his life is completely different. The rest of his life, and it's a radically changed life. Right. Um, yeah. He often, I, I read somewhere that as he was coming back to the church, he often prayed, my God, if you exist, allow me to know you. I think that's a really good prayer for all of us to actually pray all the time because we can always know him more. Yes. And we always, I think, sometimes have little doubts or we're like, you know, people are always coming at you with things that make you think, oh, wait. So I think it's a good prayer even if you're maybe you change it a little bit, but we yeah. always want to know God more. And he really prayed for that. He did. Yeah. It was, um, I think we just see in that a witness of desire, mm-hmm. and which is very Augustinian also like that desire is the beginning of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that desire is from God. Right. You know, we don't create it ourselves. It's a gift from God that, you know, St. John says he first loved us. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning of that love. Yeah. Yeah. So now he traveled a lot. That was like a huge part of his story to me. Like he traveled all over the place and he was seemed very unsettled to me in what he was supposed to do because he was not a priest right away. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about some of that stuff he did and where he ended up? Yeah, and that's one of the things that I find so striking about him. So one of the things that was a result of this powerful conversion was a great desire to be in the last place, to be a little brother, to be like the poor, humble, hidden workman in Nazareth, Christ, Mm -hmm. the laborer, Mm -hmm. um, just with common laborers. So he had this desire to be totally hidden and in the last place. 
When um, you say we, in the last place, can you? Um, you know, and I think it's so appropriate that Pope Francis is canonizing the saint because he's very much, he speaks at the margins. And mm-hmm. that was Charles's heart oh, too, okay. to be totally at the margins. Sure. Those sure. who are last in society. Gotcha. Um, so, and it manifested itself in a desire for monasticism. He had an attraction to the Desert Fathers. And one of the things that kind of um, came to play in his life is he, he kind of bounced around a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, you know, he explored like different, uh, you know, Trappists, Cistercians, Benedictines in France. He ended up at a monastery, like a hermitage in uh, Jerusalem, the Holy Land. Ended up, I think, at one in Syria. Mm-hmm. Over then, this is kind of strung over a period of years, and then eventually ended up um, in North Africa, right. in Algeria, really with a desire to um, found a religious order. Yep. No, nobody joined him. He kind of was in his <laughs> own hermitage. What happened which there? Is, for me, this is the great testimony of his sanctity is that he's a failure, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's well, such a broken, I mean, and you read his book and you're like, is he a little, maybe off his rocker a little bit? Uh-huh. Like he's a... Um, that it's a testimony of God's glory revealed through humanity. Mm. He is not a cufflinks wearing kind of, he's not a put together person. Right. Um, in fact. So why is that important? Because Father John, you, you talked about that a little bit when you first arrived at the studio today. Yeah, I guess part of uh, part of the challenge I always had with the saints was they seemed so unattainable. They seemed so unhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth of the matter is the saint is like the most human. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even mean they have to be like great sinners to go become great saints like Augustine or Charles were, but that they have a particularity, that they have a temperament, that they have a personality, that they have desires that are that are like moved by objects. Mm-hmm. You know, we are human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you see, I don't know, I've not, I, I really wrestled with it with him because he's so impetuous and he's so like, he just doesn't stop. And I'm like, you know, even I, I was like, if I were his, I'm like, Charles, just settle down, like stop, you know? And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what if this is just who he is and God even can use this? Yes. And what if I can be me Mm -hmm. and my attempts to like try and round out my hard edges, God's like, would you just let me do the work, John? You know? yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Is there, you were like, you wanted to say something. There. Well, I mean, I just, I'm so struck by this. I mean, he's a failure, you know, he wanted <laughs> to found a religious order and nobody joined him. Well, I, I think, think part he, of that had to do with the war too, but that's all in God's know, timing. Yeah. Well, not even the bishops wouldn't send him people oh, because, yeah. it was, know because his rule was so rigorous. Yeah, one person joined so him for a while and then they left. It was like, yeah, he, I mean, he's subsisting on like, a bowl of oatmeal on a day to day. Like he's oh very ascetic, you know, which I have really, you know, there's something, I mean, he is a, a failure in some respects, but I'm also just so touched by his radicality, which we're all actually called to, not that we're all called to subsist on a bowl of oatmeal a day, right. but we are all called to be totally radically given over to um, Christ in, in our own ways that we discern. Mm-hmm. So I'm just touched really by this, I mean, he's like a modern day desert father. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and in that, it it really makes us wrestle with what is the fruitfulness of one who is given over to Christ then? Yes. Because he didn't even baptize anybody. Right. If you were a priest or if you know a priest who has baptized one person, you have done more to bring people into the kingdom of God than blessed Charles would go. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Not one. But yet he's yet, going to be canonized a saint. Yet he's going to be canonized a saint. Right. And so you have to go deep and say, well, what is it that, what is his holiness? Mm -hmm. What is this thing? And you see so many places, all of the Muslim people called him the Maribal, called him the holy man. Mm -hmm. Like people lined up outside his door to be ready in the morning for him to come and give them assistance or guidance or help. Mm -hmm. Like nobody questioned whether this man was filled with the presence of God. Uh, he transformed lots of people. He, he made lots of differences, but it wasn't the transformation that he had in his mind of, I want to have a religious order. <laughs> I want right. to convert the Muslims. Right. I want to, you know, and that really to me was a freedom to say, okay, my desire is beautiful and good, but I always need to leave it open yeah. to be fulfilled how God wants to fulfill right. it. And the beautiful gift of him is he did get religious order. Yep. He got yeah. a lot of them. Yes, he yeah. did. But he just didn't get to see it in died. his lifetime. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. That's right. Okay, so let's real quickly talk about what happened to him at the end okay. and then the religious order. Yeah, so at the end of his life, he was living in a solitary hermitage in North Africa and Algeria. And um, he was known as this man of great charity, a holy man. And for that reason, um, he there were some that came to actually hate him. And there was sort of a, a tribal politics to it, if you will. Mm -hmm. That, that was bound up in sort of a, a militant um, Islam too. And so he was actually assassinated mm -hmm. um, by some uh, Muslim tribesmen who came to his hermitage in the middle of the night, um, knocked on his door. They were trying to was, kidnap th him. They were, what, if I remember right. Um, thinking of kidnap him or- they, they thought possibly too that he had stuff in his fort or that he was, yeah. like, oh, he was the one who was sure. going to protect. He built the fort to protect people sure. in case of- War. War. Yes. Yeah. And so, and he actually, he did have stores of supplies inside the, the fort, but they, they barged through when he sort of un, unlocked the door and, and murdered him. Um, one of the things that's really striking uh, about that is, so a French military patrol that came upon him um, within the next day or two, I think, <clears throat> found, um, I, I believe they found the Blessed Sacrament, um, in a Luna in the monstrance, which reveals to us that he was actually adoring the Lord. Like this is what his life, when another reason I'm so touched by him, his life was just given over to not only works of charity and being with people mm -hmm. as a little brother in the last place, but he was a man of deep adoration. Mm -hmm. um, so he was actually adoring the Lord um, right before he was martyred. Right. You know, which is- Good place to be. A good place to be for all of us. <laughs> just this witness of adoration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time. Um, so, Father John, I hope you really enjoy your time in Rome. Uh, do they put that on like TV anywhere when they do the canonizations? Do I mean, you know? they do sometimes. I don't know if this EWTN one will be. might have something know. like that Possibly. on. I think they a lot of times do. So you might be able to search online and find that maybe. Wave, wave from the crowd, would you? Or wherever you are. <laughs> I'll, be in the, I'll be concelebrating. So oh, look for the oh, priest. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to really look that yeah. up. <laughs> That'll yeah. be a lot and of And the other people being canonized with him are from India, yes, I believe. That's right. So that's right. you'll, you'll be, be able to spot me out, I think. I'm going to see if I can know. find that. Um, all right. Thanks, you guys, both for being here and telling us the story of this uh, really interesting man who makes us all maybe feel like we have a chance <laughs> at being a saint. I love. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, you can always find us at sfcatholic.org uh, if you want to find anything out about the diocese and to find videos and audio for any of our podcasts. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic News.